Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, November 9th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10.17. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Vayera, and it means, And He Appeared. Genesis 19, 21-21-4 All right, the angel said, I will grant your request. I will not destroy the little village, but hurry. Escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive. This explains why that village was known as Zoar, which means little place. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them, along with other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people, and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Abraham got up early that morning and hurried out to the place where he had stood in the presence of the Lord. He looked out across the plain toward Sodom and Gomorrah and watched as columns of smoke rose from the cities like smoke from a furnace. But God had listened to Abraham's request and kept Lot safe, removing him from the disaster that engulfed the cities on the plain. 
Afterward, Lot left Zoar because he was afraid of the people there, and he went to live in a cave in the mountains with his two daughters. One day the older daughter said to her sister, There are no men left anywhere in this entire area, so we can't get married like everyone else, and our father will soon be too old to have children. Come, let's get him drunk with wine, and then we will have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk with wine, and the older daughter went in and had intercourse with her father. He was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. The next morning the older daughter said to her younger sister, I had sex with our father last night. Let's get him drunk with wine again tonight, and you go in and have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk with wine again, and the younger daughter went in and had intercourse with him. As before, he was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. As a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their own father. When the older daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Moab. He became the ancestor of the nation now known as the Moabites. When the younger daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Ben-Ami. He became the ancestor of the nation now known as the Ammonites. Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur, and then he moved on to Gerar. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife Sarah by saying, She is my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. But that night God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, You are a dead man, for that woman you have taken is already married. But Abimelech had not slept with her yet, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Didn't Abraham tell me she is my sister? And she herself said, Yes, he is my brother. I acted in complete innocence. My hands are clean. In the dream God responded, Yes, I know you are innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me, and why I did not let you touch her. Now return the woman to her husband, and he will pray for you, for he is a prophet. Then you will live. But if you don't return her to him, you can be sure that you and all your people will die. Abimelech got up early the next morning and quickly called all his servants together. When he told them what had happened, his men were terrified. Then Abimelech called for Abraham. What have you done to us? he demanded. What crime have I committed that deserves treatment like this, making me and my kingdom guilty of this great sin? No one should ever do what you have done. Whatever possessed you to such a thing? Abraham replied, I thought this is a godless place. They will want my wife, and they will kill me to get her. And she really is my sister, for we both have the same father, but different mothers. And I married her. When God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place, I told her, Do me a favor. Wherever we go, tell the people that I am your brother. Then Abimelech took some of his sheep and goats, cattle and male and female servants, and he presented them to Abraham. He also returned his wife Sarah to him. Then Abimelech said, Look over my land and choose any place where you would like to live. And he said to Sarah, Look, I am giving your brother one thousand pieces of silver in the presence of all these witnesses. 
This is to compensate you for any wrong I may have done to you. This will settle any claim against me, and your reputation is cleared. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, so they could all have children. For the Lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what happened with Abraham's wife Sarah. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time that God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Ezekiel 20 1-49 On August 14th, during the seventh year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, some of the leaders of Israel came to request a message from the Lord. They sat down in front of me to wait for his reply. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, tell the leaders of Israel this is what the Sovereign Lord says. How dare you come to ask me for a message? As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, I will tell you nothing. Son of man, bring charges against them and condemn them. Make them realize how detestable the sins of their ancestors really were. Give them this message from the Sovereign Lord. When I chose Israel, when I revealed myself to the descendants of Jacob in Egypt, I took a solemn oath that I, the Lord, would be their God. I took a solemn oath that day that I would bring them out of Egypt to a land I had discovered and explored for them, a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the best of all lands anywhere. Then I said to them, Each of you, get rid of the vile images you are so obsessed with. Do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt, for I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not listen. They did not get rid of the vile images they were obsessed with, or forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I threatened to pour out my fury on them to satisfy my anger while they were still in Egypt. But I didn't do it, for I acted to protect the honor of my name. I would not allow shame to be brought on my name among the surrounding nations who saw me reveal myself by bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. So I brought them out of Egypt and led them into the wilderness. There I gave them my decrees and regulations so they could find life by keeping them. And I gave them my Sabbath days of rest as a sign between them and me. It was to remind them that I am the Lord who had set them apart to be holy. But the people of Israel rebelled against me, and they refused to obey my decrees there in the wilderness. They wouldn't obey my regulations, even though obedience would have given them life. They also violated my Sabbath days. So I threatened to pour out my fury on them, and I made plans to utterly consume them in the wilderness. But again, I held back in order to protect the honor of my name, before the nations who had seen my power in bringing Israel out of Egypt. But I took a solemn oath against them in the wilderness. I swore I would not bring them into the land 
I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most beautiful place on earth. For they had rejected my regulations, refused to follow my decrees, and violated my Sabbath days. Their hearts were given to their idols. Nevertheless, I took pity on them and held back from destroying them in the wilderness. Then I warned their children not to follow in their parents' footsteps, defiling themselves with their idols. I am Yahweh your Elohim, I told them. Follow my decrees, pay attention to my regulations, and keep my Sabbath days holy, for they are a sign to remind you that I am the Lord your God. But their children too rebelled against me. They refused to keep my decrees and follow my regulations, even though obedience would have given them life. And they also violated my Sabbath days. So again, I threatened to pour out my fury on them in the wilderness. Nevertheless, I withdrew my judgment against them to protect the honor of my name before the nations that had seen my power in bringing them out of Egypt. But I took a solemn oath against them in the wilderness. I swore I would scatter them among all the nations, because they did not obey my regulations. They scorned my decrees by violating my Sabbath days and longing for the idols of their ancestors. I gave them over to worthless decrees and regulations that would not lead to life. I let them pollute themselves with the very gifts I have given them, and I allowed them to give their firstborn children as offerings to their gods, so I might devastate them and remind them that I alone am the Lord. Therefore, Son of Man, give the people of Israel this message from the Sovereign Lord. Your ancestors continued to blaspheme and betray me, for when I brought them into the land I had promised them, they offered sacrifices on every high hill and under every green tree they saw. They roused my fury as they offered up sacrifices to their gods. They brought their perfumes and incense and poured out their liquid offerings to them. I said to them, What is this high place where you are going? This kind of pagan shrine has been called Bama, high place, ever since. Therefore give the people of Israel this message from the Sovereign Lord. Do you plan to pollute yourselves, just as your ancestors did? Do you intend to keep prostituting yourselves by worshipping vile images? For when you offer gifts to them and give your little children to be burned as sacrifices, you continue to pollute yourselves with idols to this day. Should I allow you to ask for a message from me, O people of Israel? As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, I will tell you nothing. You say, We want to be like the nations all around us who serve idols of wood and stone. But what you have in mind will never happen. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, I will rule over you with an iron fist, in great anger and with awesome power. And in anger I will reach out with my strong hand and powerful arm, and I will bring you back from the lands where you are scattered. I will bring you into the wilderness of the nations. And there I will judge you face to face. I will judge you there just as I did your ancestors in the wilderness after bringing them out of Egypt, says the Sovereign Lord. 
I will examine you carefully and hold you to the terms of the covenant. I will purge you of all those who rebel and revolt against me. I will bring them out of the countries where they are in exile, but they will never enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. As for you, O people of Israel, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Go right ahead and worship your idols, but sooner or later you will obey me, and I will and will stop bringing shame on my holy name by worshiping idols. For on my holy mountain, the great mountain of Israel, says the Sovereign Lord, the people of Israel will someday worship me, and I will accept them. There I will require that you bring me all your offerings and choice gifts and sacrifices. When I bring you home from exile, you will be like a pleasing sacrifice to me. And I will display my holiness through you as all the nations watch. Then, when I have brought you home to the land I promised with a solemn oath to give to your ancestors, you will know that I am the Lord. You will look back on all the ways you defiled yourselves and will hate yourselves because of the evil you have done. You will know that I am Yahweh, O people of Israel, when I have honored my name by treating you mercifully. In spite of your wickedness, I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, turn and face south and speak out against it. Prophesy against the brushlands of the Negev. Tell the southern wilderness, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Hear the word of the Lord. I will set you on fire, and every tree, both green and dry, will be burned. The terrible flames will not be quenched, and will scorch everything from south to north. And everyone in the world will see that I, the Lord, have set this fire. It will not be put out. Then I said, O Sovereign Lord, they are saying of me, He only talks in riddles. Hebrews 9, 11-28 So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Yeshua will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the Eternal Spirit, Yeshua offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Yeshua died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Now when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect 
only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats, along with water, and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people, using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Yeshua would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Yeshua was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Psalm 107 1 to 43. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one was there to help them. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he broke down their prison gates of bronze, he cut apart their bars of iron. Some were fools, they rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food, 
and they were knocking on death's door. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Some went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. There, too, they observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke, and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards, and were at their wits' end. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. He changes rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there. But he also turns deserts into pools of water, the dry land into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. They sow their fields and plant their vineyards and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them! They raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished through opposition, oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes, causing them to wander in trackless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from trouble and increases their families like flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are struck silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history in the faithful love of the Lord. Proverbs 27.11 Be wise, my child, and make my heart glad. Then I will be able to answer my critics. I want to speak to you today from the reading that we did in Ezekiel chapter 20. And in this passage, we see a very foundational scripture that's talking about the greater exodus to come. And so it begins in verse 33. And you can almost hear the strength, the power, and even a tinge of anger in the heart of God as he speaks these words. He says, As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, I will rule over you with an iron fist and great anger and with awesome power. I will reach out with my strong hand and powerful arm, and I will bring you back from the nations where you are scattered. Let me pause right there. First of all, When it mentions strong hand and powerful arm, that is Remez Hint pointing to Yeshua. Yeshua is the right hand of the Father. 
Yeshua executes and implements perfectly the will of the Father. The Father, you could say, is the CEO in charge, and Yeshua is his chief administrator. He puts into practice whatever the will of the Father is. The other thing, too, here is we're going to see a series of I wills. In fact, I count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine I wills. And so this is future prophetic language. This is what he's going to do. It's not referring to something that has happened in the past. And also it connects us to the first Exodus because when the Hebrews are given instruction on keeping the very first Passover as a, and then to continue to keep it year after year after year as a memorial to commemorate the tremendous deliverance that God did for the Hebrews in bringing them out of slavery and out of Egypt, there are five I wills. I will do this, I will do that, I will do the next thing. And there are five cups. And each time that you drink one of the cups with the wine or the grape juice, this is to remember what God says he promises he's going to do. I will. And so the language here is in parallel to the language used at Passover. So this, I believe, is a clue, a hint that when he does this second greater exodus, it's going to happen at Passover because it's the same kind of language. He goes on to say in verse 34, And in anger I will reach out with my strong hand and powerful arm, and I will bring you back from the nations where you are scattered. So he's promising very clearly, very directly, um, you've been scattered to all the nations and I'm going to bring you back to the land. And this is not just talking to the Jews. This is talking to all of God's people who are grafted in by faith. It's talking to Jews and non-Jews. He goes on to say in verse 35, I will bring you into the wilderness of the nations, and there I will judge you face to face. So he's going to bring us into the wilderness of the nations. Now this whole passage, you could cross-reference it to Revelation chapter 12 that woman who's with child, and then she goes into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by the Father, and he nurtures there, nourishes her there for 1260 days. Um, this passage cross-references to that. So he's going to bring us into the wilderness of the nations. He's going to judge us face to face. He goes on to say in verse 36, I will judge you there just as I did your ancestors in the wilderness after bringing them out of Egypt, says the Sovereign Lord. So there's a direct comparison that this event that he's describing that is future prophetic has been directly compared to the first exodus, just like I took your ancestors out of Egypt and took them to the wilderness and judged them there face to face. I'm going to do the same thing with you. He says in verse 37, I will examine you carefully and hold you to the terms of the covenant. Remember, when the Ten Commandments was given, this was a ketubah. This was a marriage covenant. And when the people said to Moses, when he asked them the question, will you obey these rules? Will you obey this covenant? The people said, yes, we will. That was their I do to this marriage covenant. 
He goes on to say in verse 38, I will purge you of all those who rebel and revolt against me. I will bring them out of the countries where they are in exile, but they will never enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I get a picture that, in a way, Yeshua, when he does this, he's a shepherd, and he's bringing all of his sheep out into the wilderness. And once all the sheep, all of us, are in the wilderness, he's going to do a sifting, sorting, and separating. And those of the sheep that are in rebellion, and who rebel and revolt against him, though they have been taken out of all the nations, they will not be going into the promised land. And so he will sift and sort and separate. He's going to bring each one under the rod, and each person is going to meet with him face to face. And in a way, it's like he's going to propose all over again. Will you marry me? Will you walk in my ways? Will you um, accept this covenant? And for those who say yes and who mean it from their heart and then who walk in that truth, They get to go into the promised land. But for those who say no, or who say yes but don't really mean it, and who walk in disobedience and rebellion, they will not be going into the promised land. Remember, all of this language is future prophetic. This hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. There's going to be another greater exodus to come. It'll be similar to the first one, but far greater and far more glorious, far more stunning, far more spectacular, far more incredible. So let me jump down to verse 41. When I bring you home from exile, you will be like a pleasing sacrifice to you, to me, and I will display my holiness through you as all the nations watch. Then, when I have brought you home to the land I promised with a solemn oath to give to your ancestors, you will know that I am Yahweh. So he's going to ingather us. He is going to redeem us. He is going to return us to the land of Israel. Now, how he does it, time will tell. Will he part the oceans and will walk? Will we be translated? Will we... Will he send ships to come and get us? I don't know. Time will tell. He is going to do it, though. It's going to happen. So um, if you want to study this further, I would recommend and suggest that you also read closely and carefully and thoughtfully and prayerfully. Read Revelation 12. And that's a cross-reference to this passage that we just read. So this is um, a description of the greater exodus to come. Okay, I think I'm going to end there. And this is exciting news. This is good news. This is a promise from the Lord that he's not going to just let us linger and um, die off in the wilderness, but he is going to redeem us. He's going to rescue us. He's going to take us out from all the nations where we have been scattered, Africa, Asia, Europe, Canada, the U.S., South America, Australia, New Zealand, Iceland, Poland, all of the nations where we have been scattered, and he's going to ingather us and bring us back home to the promised land. Hallelujah. What a bright hope that we can cling to and hold on to.
and Yeshua will do it because he is the right hand of the Father. He will execute it and implement it perfectly. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this tremendous promise, for this tremendous chapter. We thank you that you have a plan, and we trust you. We thank you that as things get darker in our world, that you are going to rescue your people, that you are going to rule and reign for a thousand years from Jerusalem, and all the nations will stream to Mount Zion to hear the word of the Lord being taught by Yeshua himself. Thank you for this tremendous promise, for this great hope that we hold on to. We pray that it will happen in our lifetimes. Make us ready, Father. Make us ready that we will be counted among the sheep that are obedient, that love you, that say, yes, we will follow you with all of our heart. Yes, we step into that marriage covenant. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Adonai Vishmareka Adonai Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseleka Leka The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.